Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. And I'm going to jump in. I've titled this message today that I believe uh, I believe I have a word for you. And uh, I've titled this, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> it's a Wonderful Life. And I, I was telling the production team, and they were saying, hey, what's the title for today? We want to get it all set up and all this. And I told them, It's a Wonderful Life. And they said, come on, you ain't watching Christmas movies already, are you? In July. Hey, it's Christmas in July, somebody. Christmas in July. But you'll understand where we're going in just a moment. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. And... I was reading again over the last couple of weeks a couple of just just two verses uh, found in one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, and the Lord's kind of been stirring something in me, and and I've been asking this question, and maybe you've asked this question before. I, I thought, what does that look like? What does that look like? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they gave you some advice, they gave you some insight, they shared something with you, and either in and maybe in the moment you were like, okay, that's great, but what does that look like? How do I actually do that? What does that actually look like for me? Or maybe you didn't say it in the moment, but a lot of times you have a conversation with somebody and you walk away and like the next day you're like, what does that even look like? I don't even know. <laughs> like that sounded great and it was spiritual and it sounded awesome. But I don't even know what that looks like. And so with these two verses in particular, and we're going to go through quite a bit of scripture today, but these two verses in particular that we're going to start with, I just started asking the Lord, I'm like, what, what does that actually look like? What does it look like to actually live in that? And so uh, the, the verses I'm talking about that I was reading, um, they're talking about this wonderful life and the great plans that God has for us. And so the first one is something that John recorded Jesus saying, and it's John 10.10. 10. And you probably are familiar with this. You've heard this quoted. You've probably, you, you may have it on a t-shirt. I don't know. But this is what it says. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is saying this. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And I think, wow, a rich Jesus' purpose was to give me a rich and satisfying life. What does that look like? What does that look like? Like I would like to tap into that. And then the next one is, the second verse is something that Jeremiah wrote that when God was speaking to his people, and it's Jeremiah 29, 11. And he says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope or to give you a future and a hope. And as I'm reading these two verses and I'm looking around, <laughs> I'm thinking, what does that look like? What does it look like to experience, to live in the abundant life that Jesus said it was his purpose to give me? And the great plans that, that God declared prophetically, that I have great plans for you. They're plans to give you hope, give you future, to prosper you. Like, what does it look like? And, and here's the question that I've been wrestling with and that I want you to wrestle with. And you can write this down. I would probably, you'd probably want to take a picture because it's kind of long. But we're going to put it on the screen. It's that we all want the life Jesus is talking about while we're here on earth. But what if there's a disconnect between what we think the wonderful life should look like and what God's actual purpose for our life is? So I've been wrestling with this question. I, I think...
there might be a discrepancy, a disconnect in what we think a wonderful life looks like and what God says a wonderful life looks like. And so on the one hand, we think, well, I gave my life to Jesus. I got saved. I'm trying to follow him. I'm the abundant life. This is what it should look like. And this is what we're going to talk about today is this discrepancy. And on the other side, God is saying, but this is really what the plan is. This is really what my purpose is for your life. And so there's this disconnect there that we're going to talk about for just a few moments. And so if you're taking notes, uh, point number one, each point is going to be kind of what we think compared to what God actually says. Are you with me? And so this is what I do want to do for the rest of our time this morning is talk about a few discrepancies. Here's number one. When we think about the wonderful life, the great plans, we think more stuff. God says more responsibility. We think more stuff. God says more responsibility. So whenever we think about, well, I want the John 10, 10 life. I want the abundant life that, that, that Jesus died to give me. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to get everything that you want. Or that you are just going to have an overflow of everything in your life that you have ever desired. And that all of your plans are going to come to fruition. Because God says more responsibility. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to think that the wonderful great plans that God has for our lives means that more is coming my way. Like, I've entered into a relationship with Jesus. More is coming my way. And while God may choose to pour out those blessings on you, he may choose to give you more. He may choose to bless you with things. I want to read you a story that Jesus told. It's in Luke chapter 16, and we're going to read about 15 verses. It says, Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer came, called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired, right? It's a good day right there. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. At least he's honest, right? Come on, somebody. I'm just too proud. I'm just not doing that, right? I'm just not going that direction. Verse 4, ah, oh, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer, he asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. I love this version. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. And I love what Jesus says right here. He says, here's the lesson. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater, here's our word, responsibilities if you're not honest with the little responsibilities that I've given you the little that I have given you to be responsible with then how can you be entrusted with more to be responsible with and if you are entrusted if you are un untrustworthy about worldly wealth 
Who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all of this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. And what this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. We have a tendency to, to view the wonderful life, the great plans that God has for us like this. We, we have a tendency to think it means more financial security. That it means a bigger home. It means a better job. It means a more expensive car. It means more freedom to come and do and, and go as I please. And while those things are not inherently bad, we have a tendency to think that this wonderful life means that we get to live in the land of Ur. You ever heard about the land of Ur? I want bigger, better, nicer, fancier, more-er. <laughs> I know that's not a word. Some of y'all are like, what did he just say? More-er, right? And some of us like to, like, we think, like, I should be living in the land of est. I got the big est, the best est. We have a tendency to believe that that, man, God has wonderful plans for my life. He has great plans. Yes, he does, but it doesn't always mean his plan for you is for you to live in the land of Ur. For you to desire bigger and better and nicer and fancier and more. That's not necessarily what his desire is, but here's what I believe God does say. He says that you are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed. In other words, you have been given what you have been given so that you can use it for the kingdom. So that you can use it to be a blessing to others. Jesus said, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources. Use what you've worked hard for. Use what God has blessed you with to benefit other people. To benefit others. And I would submit to you. That the wonderful life that God has for you involves greater responsibility with what you've been given to benefit other people. And that Jesus says that any human achievement that isn't done for the glory of God is really detestable in the sight of God. Anything that we're just doing for the sake of doing just so I can get more, make more, earn more. It's not that those things are inherently bad. But listen, at the very end of the story, it's like... He wraps it all up and he says, listen, you can't serve God and be enslaved to money and your thing. Like, you, you just can't. Here's the lesson. Use what you've been given to benefit other people. Use what you've been given for the kingdom. Luke 12, verses 47 and 48, it says, A servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Can I submit this to you? That sometimes we're praying for more, but we're not ready for the responsibility and the requirement that comes with more. Because God doesn't say, I just want to give you more stuff. I want to give you more responsibility. And when I see somebody who can take what they have been given and they are responsible with it 
and they're using it for the kingdom. And they are, and Jesus is at the center of all of their decisions, not just financially, but in every decision. Then I see somebody who has been blessed, and they are being a blessing. And I can give them more because they will be responsible with what I have given them and entrusted to them. Because if you're not trustworthy in the little things, why should you be given more things? See, it's not that the wonderful life means that I get more. You might. I'm not telling you that you're not going to. But God's, God's way is more responsibility. More responsibility. As believers, we have a great responsibility with our lives to share the good news of Jesus with those that are in our lives. And I love James. We're going to read the verses prior to this in just a moment. But James 4.17, James writes, he says, Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. <laughs> Some here are like, that's why I hadn't read the book of James. I don't know, I don't know if I... <laughs> I knew there was a reason why I didn't want to read that. <laughs> James 4, 17. Remember, he says, remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then make the decision not to. That I ought to do this, but I'm choosing not to, is a sin. And James is reminding us, remember, remember, when you know what you ought to do, you ought to do it. Because to know what you ought to do and not do it is a sin. And we have a responsibility that has come with what we have been given. We have a responsibility with our resources. We have a responsibility with our testimony. We have a responsibility with our lives to share the gospel with other people. To share the good news of Jesus with with everybody in our lives you have a responsibility it's a responsibility God's wonderful plan for your life doesn't necessarily look like wonderful stuff it looks like wonderful responsibility here's the second thing when we think about wonderful life and we think about great plans and we ask the question well what what does that really look like I think that we think easy God says endurance and perseverance so when you think about God having a wonderful life for you and wonderful plans for you, and great plans for you, do you have a tendency to think that that means easy? Like if God has wonderful plans for me, then that must be, that must be like, I mean, I'm just going to walk right into that. It must be, see, we, we think easy, but God says there's endurance and there's perseverance. It is a wonderful plan. It is a great plan. I do have great things in store for you, but they may look like endurance and perseverance along the way. And sometimes I think we think, you know, well, marriage will be easy, serving God will be easy, following Jesus will be easy, going to church will be easy, life will just be easier. If I just get God on my side, God on my team, then life will just be easier, and that's not what we've been promised. We haven't been promised an easy life. We've been promised a life that's worth it, but that involves endurance and perseverance. And I want to just go through, and I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to read some some scriptures to you, just a few scriptures, just going through them really quickly. Galatians six nine, and see if you can kind of pick up on the theme. 
So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That doesn't sound easy. If it was easy, why would I be struggling to give up? It's because it's not easy. Don't give up. Joshua 1.9, one of my favorite verses in, in the whole Bible. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. If it was easy, why would he need to be strong and courageous? It's because it's not going to be easy. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. Well, thanks again. For we know that they help us develop, here it is, endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press on. I press on, not I walk leisurely. <laughs> I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. James 1.12, God blesses those who patiently Endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And then Matthew 24, I want to read several verses here, but this is what it says. It says, later, Jesus sat out on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. And your life will be easy. <laughs> it doesn't say that. It says, but, though, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So the wonderful life that God has planned for you, it's a wonderful life. Like you can listen to this message and you can read these scriptures and you can read through some of the Bible and you can think, wow, that doesn't sound wonderful at all. Maybe there's a disconnect. Maybe we think wonderful means easy. And God says, no, wonderful is like enduring through anything, no matter what you face. Wonderful in great plans is persevering no matter what is staring you in the face, no matter what comes against you, no matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter what you go through, no matter what testing, no matter what trial. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. And we, we, we see that the wonderful life that God has planned for you as you follow Jesus, it, it talks about enduring and persevering and pressing on and being strong and courageous and not giving up. So the wonderful life doesn't mean that, that everything gets easier because God just works it all out. It looks like wonderful endurance and wonderful perseverance no matter what you face. No matter what you face. And here's point number three that we'll talk about for just a few minutes, and I'll go ahead and invite the worship team to come back up. Point number three is we think American dream, God says his will. <laughs> we think... American dream, and I'm going to kind of try to explain this to the best of my ability. God says his will. See, when you think about God having a wonderful life for you, 
do you have a tendency to think that that means that your plans will all be fulfilled? We do this, don't we? (laughs) Well, I gave my life to Jesus. God has wonderful plans for me, great plans for me, wonderful life in store for me, just the abundant life, overflowing life. It just means that all of my dreams and all of my hopes and all of my plans and everything that I have developed, that God is on my team and God is going to make it happen. He's on my side. He's going to make it happen. My plans for my finances, he's going to make it happen. My plans for the future, my plans for my career, my plans for the next 10 years that I have worked for the last three months to develop this plan for the next 10 years of my life that now I've got God on my team and God's going to make it happen. See, we think American dream, God says his will. And I want to read you a few more scriptures. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we know this is the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Can I pause here for a minute? I think that we have a tendency sometimes to, we give our life to Jesus, we're, we're, we, we, we say we're a Christian, and we think we've got God on our side, and God's on our team, and so all of my plans, like, hey, and, th- and, and I kind of picture it in this way, that we're having a conversation with the Lord, and we're like, all right, I've got a plan. I've been working. i got a five-year plan. i got a ten-year plan. This is, this is what we're doing. All right, God, let me, like, come on. Let me let you in on my plan. We tell God our plan, everything we're going to do, everything we're going to accomplish, how we're going to get there. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes maybe the Lord looks down and he's like, I just love your plan. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you developed a plan. I'm so glad. Um, I'm so glad that you thought it all out and you developed a plan. But, but I, have a, I have a better plan. And we're like, all right, I got God on my side. Like, here's my plan, God. Here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do together. You know, all things are possible through him who, like, with God, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've got a plan. And God's going to give me the strength to accomplish my plan. He might. <laughs> but what if the Lord's telling you today, just in this little still, small voice in your ear, not just a better plan I've got a bigger plan because I can see it all I've had a plan since the very beginning I have I have created you to fit into my plan so that we can accomplish what I set out to accomplish on the earth from the very beginning and I love that you got a plan I love that you got a plan, but what if, what if your plan isn't God's plan? What if there's a, what if there's a discrepancy in the plan when you lay out your blueprint and God lays open the word? (laughs) I love that you took the time to do this, but this is my plan. 
this is this is what I've called you to. And one of those things is to go and make disciples and teach them to obey what it is that Jesus taught. He's he's looking his disciples in the face and he says, This is what I'm telling you to do. Go and tell everybody. Go into all the world. Go everywhere and make disciples. Teach them what I taught you. I'm going to be with you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going with you on this journey. But this is the plan. This is the plan. The plan is that wherever God has placed you, that in that place you would go. That you would tell others about him. That you would share your testimony. That you would share the good news. That you would share Jesus with those around you. I know you've made a plan and your plan's not bad. But the number one plan that has always been there is God's plan. It's God's desire for you. God's plan for your life. I love the verses right before what we read earlier in James chapter 4. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know? what your life will be like tomorrow. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. I think the Lord has a plan. And instead of instead of us trying to get God on our side and God on our team and God to bless, you ever you ever prayed this and I'm not condemning anyone because I've prayed this too. I'm just going to be honest with you and you're just like, God, this is my plan. We like we don't say it in this way, but we're like, God, bless my plan. And over here, God's like, I have a better plan. I have a bigger plan. And it's already been blessed. So if you'll step into my plan, it's already blessed. You don't even have to ask me to bless it. I created it. I created you for it so that you would fit right here. This plan is already blessed. I don't I don't necessarily. Now, will God bless some of your plans? And God probably, he, he might. He might. But I believe he's telling us today, there's a, there's a bigger plan. There's a better plan. There's a plan that I fear not many of us are working toward. God has a bigger plan. This thing is so much bigger than you and me. And God wants to use you and work through you as together you accomplish his plan what his desire is for you we stand to your feet today we're going to sing i'm going to pray for you we're going to sing and i know 
maybe you're here today and you're thinking in light of everything that has just been said what does that look like like how do I how do I make a shift to where I'm no longer just trying to get God to do what I want him to do but I'm actually a part of the plan I'm actually following Jesus I'm actually I'm actually doing what I've been commissioned to do and here's where here's a great starting point and we're gonna sing this song again and I believe the Lord's gonna speak to you I believe the Lord's gonna do something in you I believe that things are gonna change I believe it's gonna happen but here's how I believe we can experience this wonderful life that God has for us great plans so we lay down our burdens we lay down our crowns we lay down our doubts we lay down tradition we lay down religion we surrender every part of our lives to him and we make room for him to do what he desires and has planned to do in our lives and through our lives here's what I'm asking you to do today as we sing this song make room don't try to find room if you're searching for room you'll never find it the enemy will always give you something to fill it up with there's always something you can fill it up with make room for him to do whatever he wants to do and just tell him today this is my prayer for every person in this room is that we would all today we would say I surrender I want to be a part of your plan I surrender my life to you. And whatever it is that you would have me do, that's what I want to do. So God, today, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you that you love us enough to have wonderful, a wonderful life prepared, great plans prepared for your children. But Lord, I believe you're speaking today. It may not look like what we've been looking for what we have thought, what we have tried to put an expectation on. That your plan, it may not be always more stuff or easy or the American dream. Maybe difficult sometimes. Could be some endurance perseverance following your will taking up the responsibility that you've given us with what with what we have so all across this room right now with heads bowed and eyes closed Lord we just our prayer is that you would reveal what needs to be revealed in us that there would be a shift in our mind or whatever needs to happen in each person today individually so that we would truly see wonderful, great plans that you have for your children. Today, here's what we say. So we sing this last song. We lay it all down. We lay it all down. If you're comfortable, just lift your hands all over this room today. Come on, just tell the Lord, I lay it all down. I lay it all down. Let's make room for him.